Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Well, I've finally been let out of Tampa jail for public indecency. My apologies to everyone here for the shame I brought to the Redcast. On a happier note, I am ecstatic for Sue, Levante, and Khalil for finally earning their first Super Bowl rings, Pro Big Red. Honky, was that you uh, streaking across the field at the Super Bowl? Yeah, they caught me. Man, uh, well, what a great promotional stunt for the Go Big Red cast. Yeah, I didn't get a chance. That was actually written on my, my rear end, but, you know, they caught me right before everything oh, came Oh, you're so close to just going viral. <laughs> Dang it. Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I just want to welcome you to the show that celebrates men in their 40s winning Super Bowls. That's right. I don't care if you're a Chiefs fan or not. I'm pretty proud of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Also with Boomer. Well, we're recording here on a Tuesday. We've had some technical difficulties to get started, but I just want you all to know I'm prepared to, to go forward with it. I'm here live. I am not a cat. <laughs> that was classic. Uh, that was one of the best things I've seen all day, for that matter, all year, really. Boomer, um, you mentioned we're recording on a Tuesday. That is correct. We are trying to move up our recording a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, works out for uh, us, so hopefully it works out for the Redcast uh, listeners um, that will be probably releasing these on Wednesdays going forward, right, Honk? Yep, midday Wednesdays. Usually, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, um, you know, it was game did not live up to its its hype. That used to always be the case when we were kids. Remember, guys, in the eighties and nineties when everyone every game was a blowout. But um, I guess uh, you know last year's game was was good, so we can I guess maybe take fifty percent of the Super Bowls to be worthwhile next year should be a barn burner yeah you know i i enjoyed the super bowl it's always fun to listen to a bunch of people tell me how one team has no chance and they're (laughs) they're outclassed and then to immediately see the opposite happen and i don't mean to relate everything back to husker football but if you've tuned into this show then i kind of do um don't listen to what people tell you about this team. I mean, I couldn't, I, I heard nobody calling for the Bucks to win this game except for like a few fringe Husker fans are like, I'm really rooting for David and Sue, which I was too. But it was just, it, it was hilarious to me how quickly people want to tell you why and tell you how it couldn't happen. And yet you watch it unfold and it was just hilarious. And not, no offense to Chiefs fans. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I totally get it. But I saw Patrick Mahomes make a pass horizontal to the ground and drilled a guy in the face mask. I think the Chiefs are going to be okay. That pass, it doesn't even make sense on planet Earth. So uh, you're going to be all right. <laughs> well, you know, Hockey, I think maybe you know, it sounds like you know, being close to Kansas City, uh, you get a lot of Chiefs fans there that apparently had some unrealistic expectations of this game. I mean, you know, they definitely did not seem to be as strong of a, of a team as, as last year's Super Bowl champions. You were down in Kansas City last weekend, and you, you felt like uh, maybe the fan base was a little uh, cocky. Yeah, I took the, the family, drove the old Kia truckster down to Kansas City to the Great Wolf Lodge, and, and that was the weekend before Super Bowl, and listening to some of their local press and everything. I mean, there was, they were cocky. They're the defending champs, and, and they thought they were going to win it again. And, 
you know, obviously they had issues on the offensive line. They had injuries that affected them. But, you know, they also used five-man protections a staggering 92.3% of the time Sunday, according to Next Gen Stats, the third most of any game since 2016. So for a guy like me, you know, run the damn ball guy, hey, it's okay to be spread and throw the ball around a bit. But, you know, having that ground game, especially when maybe you're playing a different offensive lineman that you're not used to. I think, think Nebraska against Rutgers when you're starting Corcoran there, you know, there are certain things like if I'm a Chiefs fan, you can look at a stat like that and go, look, it's unfortunate that we had guys injured on the line, but what are you doing with that kind of game plan? And so it's not just us Husker fans. It's fans all across the place. I mean, teams go out there sometimes and they, they do things that are just maddening. Yeah, you know, Boomer, it was pretty astonishing to see Mahomes struggle like he did. Um, and part of that was the offensive line not protecting him. But no touchdowns for Kansas City, I think, for the first time in, since he was there pretty much, right? Yeah, it was definitely a – he didn't get a whole lot of help from anybody, you know, on yeah. the side of the ball. I mean, O-line, like you said, was head injuries, and that's going to be a problem for any team. And then, you know, like Max said, he's throwing horizontal balls, hitting guys in the face mess, and they're not making catches. I mean, there were a couple of crazy passes he made that could have been touchdowns if the receivers catch them. And, mm-hmm. you know, football's a team sport, and a quarterback can't do it all. And if the rest of the pieces aren't there and not contributing, you're not going to win games. That's just all there is to it. No, absolutely. Yeah, you know, Kelsey uh, had a good game um, from the tight end position, but that's because that's what they were giving him, right? Um, they generally took away uh, the deep ball that they had such great success with with uh, Tyreek Hill in their first matchup. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, I mean, maybe we'll see some more tight end play with Nebraska going forward <laughs> like that, right, Hunk? Yeah, well, and former Huskers involved. You know, Kelsey, to your point, Dave, he did have a good game. But when David was starting to take away even some of those short passes and cross the middle stuff to him, I mean, that then it's like, well, where do you go at that point? And then, of course, the, the big hit that Sue had late in the game on Mahomes just to kind of really nail the, the coffin there and, and put the point in that we had some Huskers playing some good ball in that game. That was, that was a lot of fun. It's been a while since we've had – uh, Husker players and playing at a big time level like that in a big game. So Mac, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So hey, what was your guys's take on the uh, Honey Badger versus Brady uh, kind of conflict? Because frankly, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, I, and I, I truly enjoyed the Last Dance documentary. And one of the things I enjoyed the most was you know people talking about you don't want to piss off Jordan you don't get you don't get him mad you know he makes a shot you say good shot mike because if you get him mad he goes for 50 and it just seemed like to me when when that initial conflict happened with the honey badger brady was like oh okay we can do it that way if you want to because statistically he didn't have an amazing game you know it was kind of like a john elway where the running game sort of did a lot but but he had three touchdowns and he was clutch when he needed to be i just thought it was i thought it was hilarious that that like he woke this guy up i'm like i imagine he got he got in a little bit of trouble with that with his teammates yeah i could see that yeah absolutely you know i mean brady's notorious for that he he loves the trash talk and will want to get into it um he's more of a more boisterous than i think what your reputation would think with with that but um yeah i i hear you mac you know um honk the uh, the huskers in the super bowl that was a great great story and one that there's been a lot of uh, great Super Bowl championship teams with, with Huskers on them. Is there other memorable ones that come to your mind right away? You know, I, just from my growing up in the 80s, year after year having the 49ers make it and to have that backfield, it's not that I remember a specific play, although I think Craig did score a touchdown in one of those early ones, 84. Craig had three touchdowns in one of the games. In one of them, yeah. But what I really remember as much as anything – is the Huskers on the helmet of both Rathman and uh, uh, Craig in the backfield. And then, you know, Jamie Williams was even a backup tight end on that team. So, you know, that's really my, probably my biggest one. I, Grant Wisher, I know, played in one of them when he was with yep, St. Louis. Right. Vince Ferragamo, obviously, Boomer, oh, going sure. back to the 70s. And uh, was it Adam True? Did he step in at center when that, like, Robbins or whatever for the Raiders went crazy, the center? Wasn't yeah, Adam True sounds then that, right. Sounds right. There's been Huskers on the Patriots during their their run. Yeah, um, Rex Burkhead. Yeah, Hoekstein. Well, then earlier I think Hoekstein. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of Huskers in the Super Bowl. And now, scarlet colored glasses. 
Alright guys, we're putting on our scarlet colored glasses and talking all things Husker football and um, you know Boomer, we um, are still waiting on a Nebraska baseball schedule, but we have a brand new Nebraska football schedule. Uh, they even had a schedule show, I think it was our third or fourth Big Ten special on, on football schedules just this calendar year and um, all the same teams but in a bit of a reordering. Um, what was your initial take on the Huskers' 21 schedule? Well, first off, I, I kind of thinking Kevin Warren shouldn't have asked Barry Alvarez uh, if we play baseball in this conference. <laughs> there seems to be some disconnect there. But, Good uh, point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the revised schedule, I, it's beneficial to Nebraska, I think, in the most part. You know, kind of shuffled some games around, and I think it gives us a good opportunity to end the season strong. Just the the sheer amount of home games we have, basically, to close out the season. You have, uh, you know, after you play uh, Minnesota, which got moved to Minneapolis in, you know, mid-November, as opposed to ending the year on it. You get Purdue at home, Ohio State at home. You get your scrub game in southeast Louisiana. You go to Madison, then you get Iowa back at Black Friday at home. I mean, you've got a great chance to, to finish. And even before Minnesota, I think, what is it? Michigan and Northwestern, I think, or before them, and they're both at home. So, I mean, heck, you barely travel to end the year. So that should play to your advantage. And, you know, I think it's a net positive for us. We can, we can finally, comp- you know, stop complaining about the Big Ten in that aspect. You know, Dave, we had a question in the mailbag, and we'll do a mailbag section in a little bit, but I might throw one or two of them kind of into the discussion. But I wanted to throw this one to you, and it's from Husker Nut on Twitter. And he asked, does NU's reordered schedule, does it change your expectations for next season in any way? Yeah, a little bit. Um, obviously, the schedule is just on paper right now, but I do feel like this reordering improves Nebraska's chance to get out of the starting gate uh, on a positive note. I mean, you still obviously have um, Buffalo um, and Illinois, um, and we can talk about the, S- the SP Plus rankings here soon too, Boomer, but those are probably two of the lower teams um, uh, from a returning um talent standpoint uh, on our schedule Um, but then we have the Oklahoma game as we all know but the previous iteration of the schedule had Ohio State I think about two weeks after Oklahoma yeah in week five and that that's a pretty tough gauntlet there where you're going to play two of the top maybe three teams in the country uh, in very uh, in about a two-week period and so to push Ohio State back and give us a little bit more relief up front I have a Better inkling that we could, you know, potentially get to a, you know, a five and three type record with, uh, to Boomer's point, a lot of home games, including Southeast Louisiana, to get us to that uh, bowl eligibility. So yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a real positive overall. Yeah, I mean, some basic changes in it. Obviously, Purdue's and Lincoln now, so we won't be playing on the road three straight years. Wisconsin, we're going there, which made sense when they made the switch a year ago. And then to your point there, Dave, Ohio State gets moved back. You know, six of the final eight games are in Lincoln. And I they're hard games. Don't get me wrong. Nothing's easy, right? We're going to be playing a bunch of teams that we haven't beat recently at home. But this kind of gets to that point of that no fear of success. And we've talked about this a little bit off the air. And look, at some point, you've got to start winning these games. At some point, you have to defend the home. And, and to finish with six out of eight, it really makes you value those, those first four games. We do have to make some hay there. One of those games, you know, Illinois, uh, I don't think it's going to be in Dublin. I hope it's at Illinois because Mac and I are going to go there and hang out at his sister's house again on the drive out there. That was a ton of fun two years ago, so we're hoping that, that uh, we get to do that again. But you got to at least go 50-50 in those first four games, at least, and it's very possible we could go three or four if we play good football. Oklahoma, I'm fine with saying Oklahoma and Ohio State are on a, on a different level. But, you know, start off well and then finish at home. And the last one, the last game, I really like – that we're going to play Iowa on Black Friday. And as crazy as this whole COVID thing has played out, we never skipped a beat with playing Iowa on Black Friday. And I'm cool saying that's the team. It used For me, it used to be it had to be Wisconsin. For some reason, that was built in my head. Wisconsin had to be that that rivalry one. I'm good with Iowa being it. I think Iowa and Nebraska, it's, it's starting to fit. It's starting to feel right to have that kind of game, you know, on that weekend when Ohio State's playing Michigan, Minnesota plays Wisconsin that weekend, all that kind of stuff. It feels right to be playing Iowa there. And, you know, strange enough as it is, 10 years into playing them, it kind of felt weird to think that that we weren't going to have them on the schedule then. So it's kind of cool to have them back. Yeah, absolutely, Honk. You know, Boomer, I mentioned the S 
and P plus or whatever you want to call it, the Bill Connolly kind of predictive rankings. Uh, he just released those already um, for preseason. Obviously, things can change as rosters shuffle around a little bit here. But um, did you see where Nebraska landed? Yeah, uh, they landed 30th on his uh, rankings for the system. And it, it generally tracks kind of overall team efficiency is, is the design for it. A lot of it is based on, you know, returning production and things like that. And, you know, defensively, we all know how much we have coming back there. So that's a huge boost to our rankings there. So, but that's where they have us right now. Yeah, you're right, Boomer. It's, you know, not really predicting uh, where we'll finish the season because it does not take into account the schedule. But um, with that defense coming back, uh, largely intact. I think it ranked like 19th, I believe I'm seeing. So that um, a, a high defensive ranking bumps us up there. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing. It's it's liked us in the past. Um, it'll like us in the future. Um, but um, at least uh, it's a little positivity coming from outside the program. Yeah, and it kind of puts us about smack in the middle of the Big Ten. You know, some teams are taking big steps back, like Northwestern, you know, who's losing a lot. They're 75th, uh, Illinois 83, Ohio State 4, of course, because, you know, they have so much trouble reloading every year. <laughs> That's so. a big step back for Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, big step for them. Yeah, Wisconsin's 9, Iowa's 16, so Michigan's 23. So are we 5th out of the Big Ten then? Is Are we right behind Michigan? Uh, we're actually seventh. It's uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Indiana, then us. And then we're just ahead of Minnesota and Maryland. Gotcha. Well, you know, we did a Twitter poll last week. And to kind of piggyback off of Bill Connolly's rankings there, uh, our poll was with Nebraska returning 10 of 11 starters and most top backups from the, the defensive side of the ball last year. Uh, the Blackshirts looked pretty solid heading into 2021. So offensively, which position group do you think will be more than likely to see a post-spring addition to it from the transfer portal. And we had uh, quarterback was number one at 47%, running back at 21%, uh, tight end slash wide receiver at 20%, and offensive line at 12%. Mac, as you see those numbers there, you know, quarterback 47%. Obviously, we lose Luke McCaffrey. Obviously, we're down to, to three scholarship guys right now. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Obviously, Redcasters out there responding are thinking that we're going to need to at least get it to a fourth guy. Is that how you see it? QB, running back, tight end, wide receiver, and then O line in that order? Um, actually, yeah, pretty much that that order. Uh, in terms of what I expect to happen, I feel like it's a long shot. Although I don't know. I mean, this is going to be the first year of this kind of transfer portal pool of talent to choose from so there might be a quarterback out there we could take it would make sense to me to take a quarterback simply from a depth standpoint for no other reason and then yeah if I couldn't go that route then I'd I'd want to I'd want a running back as well just because for the same reason we were unproven in our depth at the court at the running back position as well as the quarterback position so yeah I'd agree with that you know my personal preference is I hope we walk out of spring and the coaches don't feel any need to go to the portal for any reason that said Dave you see those numbers. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, we talked about last week, like, you know, are, are we really going to go to a, the portal to bring in a quarterback to back up Martinez? Or would that be a bad sign if we were going to a QB? Would that mean that they weren't comfortable with Martinez? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really torn on this one because I just don't see how you're going to land it. someone who is going to be a, a capable backup, someone who's played – even at a group of five level and just wants to be the backup to Adrian or anybody who thinks they're going to unseat Adrian, um, especially after spring ball. And so it's just a really interesting spot. Now, maybe you could find someone who wants to, to be a jack of all trades, I guess, and, and can mm -hmm. do other stuff maybe, and doesn't think they're going to make it to the NFL as a quarterback, but still has that ability or you could find someone who maybe is a little bit younger and uh, just looking for a fresh start. Basically, we're looking for Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, a, a different version of Luke McCaffrey, right? But yeah. then, then they that person would obviously be in direct competition whenever Adrian does leave with Logan. So I just I'm a little leery on thinking that what type of quality we're going to get considering what's already in the room. Mm -hmm. The the numbers there, the stats, quarterback at 47%, running back at 21%. That difference there, that's where, in my mind, I'm like, it should be a lot closer. I think people should yeah. feel a lot closer than that. Because running back, we have six guys right now that are scholarship players that are going to be going through spring. 
And that's great news if three of them can come out and be the guys that we've decided. We've already said the non-negotiable was they have to be able to, any one of those guys, carry 20, 25 times a game on any given game. And if we have three of those six that can do that, if the coaches feel good about that, you know what? We don't have to hit the portal for anything. But if there's any doubt, I mean, if we get out of spring ball and we've got two guys that can do it, but we don't think we have three, that's a big issue. We need to have three guys. So, Mac, I mean, you're kind of our running backs guy. You know, that's to me, that's the real spot that I'm going to watch in spring. I, and, and I hope we don't have to hit it. Again, I hope we don't have to hit the portal for anything. I hope right. we everyone's already in the rooms that are, that are going to be on the field next year. That's, that's what I hope. Yeah, and, you know, with the running back position, it's a little different because we are absolutely losing our, our lead dog on this. At the quarterback position, I, I mean, I, I have a hard time even thinking of a quarterback that could go in the portal that I would want to take over the starting job at Nebraska. I just don't think that that guy mm-hmm. exists. The running back position is a little bit different, right? So – like what Dave was saying, it's going to be a real unique situation to get a guy who's going to be that. I think, like, I just can't imagine a quarterback doing that. I'm going to challenge for the position, be but be okay if I don't get it. But a running back, there's more carries, there's more, you know, possessions. It, it, you bring a different quality. I think the running back position would probably be the most likely that we would hit in mm-hmm. the transfer portal. You know, and you think about this, we talked about last week, is that. Getting here early is a big deal. And transfers that don't get here early, when you think about Omar Manning, didn't get here early a year ago. Two years ago, it was Mills, right? And these are guys, Mills and and Manning, they're coming here and physically they are going to start, right? I mean, people were saying these guys are going to be studs the second they get here on campus, and they had no offseason. Well, what happens after spring ball here if we find that we're deficient at a certain position and we're going to bring a transfer in at that point? We're basically – basically bringing in somebody cold. You know, you're going to give them a, about a summer at best to kind of prepare. And if you're hoping that that guy, whoever he is at whatever position he is, if you think that guy's going to step in and just be this all-conference stud for us right away, we literally have no examples to go off of, of who has done that. That is where having that offseason under your belt, it's why I'm so glad that Tori is here right now. It's why I'm so glad Step is here right now. Not just freshman guys. It's not just the incoming freshmen. It's those transfers and it's those guys that have been a couple years out of school. To get that offseason is a huge deal. And so, you know, it's it's an interesting question. I, I thank all the Redcasters that responded to that poll. But I really, truly hope that we're not having to hit that portal after spring. Because if we do, I feel like that's not a great sign. Yeah, I agree with that, Honk. You know, um. Whatever happens, uh, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, there's a new offensive analyst, Keenan Lowe. And there's also uh, hirings on the defensive side with Bill Bush, something we called. We thought maybe that'd be more of a special team situation, but you could help out there. And then we did confirm that Marcus Castro-Walker is director of uh, player development. Honk, you, your thoughts on that? Well, first off, Bush, it was... I was ecstatic when I saw his name, and it was something that, you know, we cracked a, a bush a couple weeks ago That's right. to, uh, you know, say that we thought maybe he could be the guy at special teams analyst. Well, as is, he's going to come in and be a defensive analyst. I think I saw, like, his salary was going to be, like, 36000 because he's basically – we're finally benefiting from one of those contracts where – the team he's leaving, LSU, is going to pay him basically this whole next year. So we just have to pay him a minimum amount, which is essentially what how many coaches have done when they've left here, right? Diaco or Riley or whatever. We benefit that way. So he gets to come in and instead of being the special teams analyst, he's going to be a defensive analyst. We'll see what all role that kind of falls into. But I couldn't be more ecstatic. Love the guy coming back here, Pender, Nebraska native, and, and the recruiter that he has been, uh, the guys that he has brought into different schools that he's been to on – I mean, he's got a great track record. What he can do as an analyst, obviously he's limited compared to an assistant coach, but still it's a great pickup. And the other guy, and I didn't realize this, the name didn't jump off the sheet when I first saw it, but Keenan Lowe, he has an interesting story to go along with what he's done on the football field. This evening, authorities say a man was tackled. He had a gun. It happened at Park Rose High School in Portland, Oregon. The football coach confronting the suspect People were blowing up our phones for interviews and let's talk to Keenan the hero. And I wanted to say, you don't even know the definition of hero unless you see this footage. Door opens and as soon as it kind of opens, I was able to get the gun away. And then the kid uh, starts to break down. 
I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody. That's what he said to me. I just wanted to hurt myself. And he goes on to say, nobody cares about me. And uh, I told him I care about him. I think he needed a hug more than he needed to be tackled to the ground. You know, I told him I was there for a reason. I was there to save him. You could have died. Yeah. That wasn't my time, though. I mean, guys, that is an amazing story. That's a leader. That is a guy I'm so glad just to have him part of this program. I mean, Dave, you hear that. What are your thoughts? When I remember hearing that story live when it was on game day and everything. It's just, oh, my gosh. To think that he's here in Lincoln now, I'm, I'm proud. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a great hire. It's great that he had the, that connection with, with Frost. He obviously referenced how important um, kind of Frost's kind of teachings actually kind of influenced the way he maybe he handled that situation a little bit. So it seems mm-hmm. like it's a great cultural fit for him to join the staff. And, you know, I think with both Lowe and Bush, I, I really like the idea of them being analysts right now because it does feel like um, if there was uh, a coach on either side of the ball now that happened to to move on in the next couple of years, which it, it always happens, right? There might be someone already on staff that we could just promote up into a a position, right? And I think that's, that's starting to build the longevity and f- uh, familiarity with the players that, you know, maybe you um, are anticipating that things happen and you have someone already in the wings. You know, it's nice. Yep. You know, Boomer, um, since both of these, uh, Bush and Lowe, are just analysts, Remind me exactly what they can actually do. They break down film. They look for tendencies. They watch practices. You know, they can continue to break down tape. They can look for, they can watch possible, you know, recruits. They can, you know, search for things. They just can't engage in essentially direct coaching on the field is the idea behind it. Right. Um, you know, they can't go and do the active part of recruiting. You know, they can't be out texting players or making calls. They do a lot of the kind of administrative support stuff, you know, taking some of that off the, the regular coach's plate. Because, you know, when you think of all the eight zillion hours of film and stuff you right. can get on programs nowadays, there's just so much stuff to try to break down. But and, and that's what these guys are meant to do. They're meant to try to fill in some of those gaps and just take some of that load off the general administrative tasks. Well, Boomer, I'll uh, throw a mailback question up to you here. This is from Ken McCone on Facebook. Is Coach Frost still looking for a special teams analyst? Do we know that? Or, you know, obviously, again, we thought that maybe if I thought a couple weeks ago that Bush might be that, he clearly isn't. So are we still looking for that role that you're aware of? You know, I was under the impression they were still looking for, you know, a, an official special teams analyst. You know, that was the talk a few weeks ago. And I think I remembered seeing that from uh, Evan Bland a few days ago in the World Herald that. Frost was still getting close to announcing a special teams analyst, so there still may be one coming, but right now nobody official has been has been named that. I mean some of these people, like you said, have experience in it, so maybe that'll they'll slide into that role. Sure. But. So Mac, uh, you know, Bill Bush does have experience um as a special teams coach. Uh, but we also have Dawson, outside linebackers with some experience. I've heard rumors out there that uh, he might just get the the title of a special teams coach. Have have you heard similar? Yeah, and I kind of feel like if if what Boomer was talking about doesn't happen as far as an analyst gets announced here before too long, that that will probably be um, the way that this coaching staff goes this year. And the longer this goes, the more it makes me think this is probably what's going to happen. You add you add a Bill Bush and you add Matt, uh, Mike Dawson's coaching background it makes sense that you could probably blend a little bit of that and and put it together and and again and i'm in the camp of i don't think we were that far away in special teams i think we were a you know a better kickoff guy and a better punter from being a heck of a lot better so uh, Mm -hmm. i'm not putting a ton of weight in that either way if we can get some healthy kickers you know most of our problems will go away so but yeah i I think that's probably what will happen if we don't hear an announcement here within the next week or so probably we'll just see a title added to one of our assistant coaches name likely dawson boomer we need to watch some film of lsu's punt team the last couple years do they have linemen lined up in the backfield on punts i I need (laughs) these are the things that we need to know Uh, i'll look into it for you (laughs) all right redcasters next week we're gonna have a, a full report from boomer you've got mail I'm gonna be a mailman. What's in the bag? A 
shark or something? Honk, let's crack open that mailbag. What do we have from our listeners this week? All right. Well, the first question here comes from Mama Husker on Twitter. She says, watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, it was great seeing former Huskers playing huge roles on a big stage in the NFL. Which Huskers do you think will get drafted next year? And do you see any underrated guys who could surprise at the next level from this year's senior class? That's a great question, Mama Husker. I do think Cam Taylor Britt's destined for the NFL. That guy's got the right kind of work ethic and attitude and he's got quite a bit of talent. So I, I don't I think that's probably a, a no brainer in, in terms of which is great to say, you know, for, for the Husker team to say no brainer, we got a guy getting drafted next year. Uh for this year I wouldn't count out Hymas. The guy has been a contributor his entire college career. I think he's got room to improve and I do think he's uh, got the physical skills to to compete in the NFL, I probably not a tackle, probably more in a guard position, but uh, mm-hmm. that guy's got a good work ethic, and I would certainly root for him to do well. So he could be a sleeper pick for sure. Hey, Dave, what about you with this year's class? Do you think Boodle, you know, is he underrated? Do you think he's going to find his way onto a roster? Is it special teams, or is this guy, you know, could he be the next Lamar Jackson kind of guy? Yeah, I could see him finding his way onto a roster. I think it's, it is a little bit interesting here in the sense of, you know, we had a very – long streak of uh, Huskers getting drafted every year. Yes, we did. Finally was broken. Uh, we started that streak up again last year with three draft picks. It, it's possible there there isn't a Husker drafted this year. I, I think the max point highest might be the most likely, but it's a late-round pick. Maybe Boodle also slides up in there. Maybe Mills. You never know, especially those late rounds. But it's it's going to be tight. All right, well, the next question comes from Garrison Pop on Instagram. And he says, what do you all think of these new hires, the analysts, especially low because our offense really struggled last year, where I am for the most part happy with the D. Uh, Mac, I'll throw you the offensive one. So low coming in here, uh, you know, from Oregon, played wide receiver and everything. What are your thoughts on him coming in as an analyst? What can he do to, you know, improve that offensive side of the ball? You know, I don't know. An analyst, that, that's, that's a great question. I'm sure they play a role. I, to me, I don't look to the analyst to be the solution to our offensive problems going in next year. Um, I, he's a great addition to the staff. I mean, if you do any research on this guy, you know he's going to contribute in some way. I don't know from an X's and O's standpoint, but probably from a relationship standpoint. I, you, you know, your staff is better probably having a guy like this with him. So that from that standpoint, I'm I'm very happy he's aboard. Um, but as far as like a day to day, how much better are we going to be because he's been added? That's going to be real hard to quantify for me. Well, Boomer already answered the question earlier about the special teams analyst. Dave, I'll ask you the defensive side with Bill Bush. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on what he can do? Kind of specifically, he's been a defensive backs coach in the past. He's coached, I think, linebackers too. He's he just has a breadth of knowledge. So, what can he bring to an analyst role? No, I think it's all positives. You're right. I mean, tons of experience uh, at multiple positions, and I think he's well-known from a talent evaluation standpoint. Uh, Absolutely applicable for recruiting, but it's also applicable as kind of a self-scouting mechanism internally, right, and and looking at what we're doing well on that side of the ball, um, depth chart, et cetera. So, I mean, I I think it's a great hire, also just a great fit because he's a Nebraska guy who gets it and um, could be here for the long haul. All right, next question. Uh, this is going to go to everyone, and this is from Akilo Roberts uh, from Miami. He's with Corn Nation, and he said, long-time listener, first-time caller. He says, getting a Super 6 from you might be too much for one podcast, so can we get a Super 3 for the 2021 class? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, thanks, Akilo. That's a, a great question there. Boomer, we're going to start with you. Well, I think we'll try to just kind of mix things up a bit here so we're not all picking the same sorts of people. Just some of the things we've already kind of focused on this in a previous show, but uh, three people I'm really expecting to stand out in various ways from this class. Uh, you know, Randolph Kapai, you know, not only a linebacker, but I think all, all the players I was picking have, a I think, an opportunity to contribute on special teams as well. Uh, Kamonte Grimes, and then uh, kind of a sleeper pick, Seth Malcolm, you know, being kind of a an eight-man all-around athlete. I think they've got a 
good opportunity to stand out, both in their positions and in that all-important third factor, the game special teams. Yeah, I'm guessing an eight-man guy is pretty safe to say he's probably played some special teams in his life up to this point. <laughs> yeah, That's probably true. Probably, and just for clar- uh, clarification, Honk, I think we're all probably just taking Thomas Fedoni off the board on this one because he's too obvious of a, of a pick. Is that yeah, that'd be a BetCast lock there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. There you go. Yeah, he's not allowed. No one, you can't say him. So, Dave, with that, you, you can't say Fedoni, but uh, who do you have? I'll take another tight end with James Carney. I, I, I think he actually maybe is a little bit behind Fedoni in his development and maybe not quite as athletic, but he's pretty darn good. And, he's a and, little faster. Like one of the 40s, he, he like yeah. was just a, a tad bit faster. Sneaky talent. Yeah, it's sneaky. Uh, so I'm really excited to see. I almost envision in my mind where, you know, like Iowa would always have like two tight ends, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um at the same time, and, and get both get drafted for the NFL. I could see that in a couple of years, three, four years from here, where Fedoni and Carney both were going to the NFL. That'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Um, another name I'll throw out is uh, Henry Lutovsky, who I got to give credit to um, Michael J. Schaefer. <laughs> He's on all the the local radio shows. He's been talking uh, Lutovsky up for for years now. It feels like uh, Teddy Brahaska is well regarded. Uh, o-line recruit as well but he really thinks henry could be a, a gem of this class so i'll go with the uh, mount pleasant iowa guy in, in uh, lutovsky and then um let, let's go with the new guy um uh, winden hohuli the uh four-star linebacker um from uh hawaii uh could be um a, a really important addition on that defense side of the ball we'll go with hohuli yeah that outside linebacker spot obviously that's a key spot for recruiting here. We need guys like Gunnarsson and Cooper from a year ago to step up, but Hahuli having him come in, you know, we just need to keep building depth and, and get that spot uh, developed. Mac, what about you? My first instinct is to go with the running back position since it's kind of an open door that in that group. Um, and I really do like the, the makeup of Gabe Irving. Uh, he comes from a big-time program. He's kind of a, a bigger size back, which is kind of the trend that we're going for. So I think he's going to be a guy to look for. Um, on the defensive side, I would say Kobe Bretz from our own backyard here in Omaha. So um, that, that's a guy whose recruitment really kind of picked up towards the tail end of the cycle and probably was hurt a little bit by COVID, like a lot of guys. But uh, I think we're going to be the better for it. And then uh, last, we'll go back to the offense in another position group that's still got some room for growth. I would go with Latrell Neville or Latrell Neville or Latrell Neville. I'm not <laughs> sure how you want to say it, but you, you go however you want to. But he's a bigger wide receiver. He's been committed to us for a long time. Um, I've already heard good reports about him since he's been on campus, and uh, it's kind of showing again that trend of getting bigger, stronger, faster in the in the skill group that we need to do to compete in the Big Ten. Well, you know, just who you mentioned there with with Neville and Irvin and Dave, you talked about Lutoski and Carney, and we have Malcolm over there, Boomer. Uh, we're talking about guys that are already here on campus, and, and same thing with Fedoni, uh, the guy that we're not allowed to pick, right? You know, these are guys that are here during this offseason, and that's who I'm going to go off of with my three the three transfers to get Samori Tori in here to get Marquis step and then to get uh, Nirvana's bassist, uh, Chris Koba. <laughs> um, these are guys that have played ball. He's really talented. Yeah. He's incredibly talented there, but these are guys that have played ball at the next level, whether that's at the FBS or FCS doesn't really matter to me. These are guys that have produced at the next level and they're here now. So they're going to have that full eight, nine months war daddy up all that stuff. To me, that really matters. That goes back to our earlier discussion about transfer portals and who do we want to bring in after the spring. Me personally, no one. I don't want us to be in a point where we need to bring in guys after the spring. I want our guys that are here right now to produce in the spring. That's what I want to see. And so uh, those three guys, I think they are key players at key positions. And they're going to be here and they're going to contribute. They're going to add to our depth. And and hopefully that's all we need. I was going to say, so instead of a Super 6, that was more like a Super 12. Holla at you. That's right. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Lucky 13 with Fedoni included. Too, well, yeah, so that's a good point. The last question, this is again for everyone here, and this is from uh, Mrs. Honky. If you four were coaching uh, the Husker football team, what would your ideal roles be and why? Boomer, I'm going to start with you. I have some vague idea of what it might be, but who knows? Maybe you could. Maybe there's a clock management role in there. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good option, or maybe uh, – 
dedicating statues to former coaches would be a <laughs> an analyst position there. Uh, yeah, we talk about special teams a lot, and you know, given the the amount of money they seem to make and the golf guys like Bruce Reed could get in, that doesn't seem like a bad gig. <laughs> we could probably make that work and get, be able to spend more time breaking down the the shield punt formation for hockey. That would be well worth the time, I think. <laughs> That's great. How about you, Dave? Uh, this is a challenging question for me personally. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say I'll uh, take a uh, offensive analyst gig. That sounds good enough for me, honestly. You know, I'm a kind of introvert, not uh, necessarily one to uh, be rah-rah on the sidelines. So uh, someone who's in the background, uh, you know, dissecting film and getting 150K, that sounds good to me. How about you, Mac? I would be the guy that makes sure that uh, Coach Frost has a nice cold Mountain Dew at his uh, podium. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I could be pretty good at that. And you travel, which is nice. You still get a ring. So, I mean, that's a win-win for me. Yeah. But if they wanted more from me, this is nothing more than ego speaking, but I would – I always fancy myself a running back guy so if i had to be on the field i'd like to be a running back guy but i really don't want to go recruit anymore i some some, you're right dave analyst or you know something like that maybe work with oregars that could be fun yeah i I fancy myself as an offensive coordinator i mean in my mind i'd be up in the box calling those plays and and full back trap left full back trap right how many times i gotta (laughs) tell you we don't have a full back honky (laughs) (laughs) So that's I envision myself there. More reality is I'm probably the get back guy. I'm probably the coach pulling coaches back, you know, and telling people to get out, you know, stay on the sidelines. That's probably more realistic. But uh, but Mrs. Honky, we appreciate that, and uh, and that you know job would also probably keep me around the house a little more, which I'm not sure if that would make her happy or not, but. Dave, that is the mailbag for this week. But thank you to everyone that submitted the questions there. Continue to send us questions on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at GoBigRedCast. Or you can always email us at the GoBigRedCast at Gmail inbox. You know, Hunk, that well-read promo there reminds me that I should always (laughs) remind our listeners that um, if they like to support the RedCast in some way, they could go check out HellVarsity.com and subscribe, a monthly subscription to Hill Varsity Magazine uh, by putting in the Redcast promo, uh, and uh, they get a little discount, and uh, we get a few bucks on our end. So, uh, folks, go ahead and do that. We'd appreciate it. Um, it sustains our podcast in some way. <laughs> you know, this is free, folks. Come on, listen. <laughs> You're not paying anything to listen to us. This is a way to give back to the Redcast. I mean, we're cheap, but, I mean, you know. <laughs> We still have value. I would like to take Mrs. Honky out for a meal every once in a while. And, (laughs) you know, I could use the help, folks. I mean, it would probably be McDonald's, you know. I mean, she'd be happy with the chicken nuggets. I'd like to stop using DOS on my computer, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we do need a GoFundMe for uh, Mac's computer. Kickstarter fund, something. It's as sad as it sounds. Well, uh, let's uh, just talk a little bit Husker basketball here just because they are – um, back in action and now just on an absolute marathon march to get all the games in before the season ends uh, in, in somewhat ridiculous fashion. They're playing five games in these first nine days back, um, pretty much back-to-back games with one day off. Um, even today, Boomer, um, they're in between games and they can't even practice because Big Ten policy actually uh, requires one day off um, from the team, right? Can we sue them in multiple sports? I mean, come on. Just amazing. Yeah, the conference is really doing Husker sports a lot of favors this year, aren't they? We should have a blanket lawsuit active at all times against the Big Ten, essentially. But uh, so, as expected, I guess I would say, uh, and anybody can jump in on on this, but I think, you know, you're coming off of almost a month-long pause because of COVID. You've got a lot of players that have not been in the gym, have had COVID, your head coach is at COVID. Your two assistant coaches are not on the road with you. It's not unexpected that they lost the first two games. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised they were as competitive as they were, especially against Michigan State, uh, losing by 10. Um, and then at times, they they made the game uh, against Minnesota at least interesting until um, losing by almost, almost 20. Now they've got the Badgers coming in tomorrow, right, Honk? Um, and that's going to be another tall order for this team. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I mean, you know, but we had a, a video analyst on the sideline that was 
in contact with Hoiberg because he was talking with the two coaches who couldn't make the trip. And so right. he was getting their feedback and passing it on to Hoiberg. I mean, it, we're living in the world of COVID and the strange year of COVID. And this is, look, I'm still glad that we have a season versus not. I will always say that. I'll say that about football. I'll say it about uh, basketball. I'll say it about baseball whenever we know what a schedule is for baseball. But, you know, I mean, I'm glad that we are playing it, but this is what it's like to play it in these these scenarios right now. So it's strange. We're gone for a month, and when you come back, you're all of a sudden you go from no play to five games in a week, and you have, you know, Trevor Lake starting over Teddy Allen for some reason. It's just that's where we're at right now. Right. I mean, the – they they had Teddy Allen essentially on a coach's decision not to play, right, Boomer? So um, we'll be interested to see if Teddy's back in action here with any of these next three games. Uh, it may just be um, a isolated instant, uh, but apparently, you know, he was not. I think as um, they described on TV, not um, meeting internal expectations uh, within the program or something like that. So um, hopefully, we're at full power because to Hockey's point. Um, we just have a lot of players that aren't really um, in condition right now. And so the rotation is going deep. You're seeing guys like Shamil Stevenson play a lot more because he, one of the players that didn't have COVID and uh, they're just trying to figure out how to survive right now. Well, you know, the more I watch this team, I like some of the stuff I, I see. And Dave, we talked about this before we started recording and you feel like there's, it's not a talent issue. It's a chemistry issue, and it's not a, it's not exactly an issue that can't be overcome. But maybe not this year, and certainly with the with the with the constraints of this year, it's going to be really difficult. But uh, you know, anybody who's followed Husker Husker uh, basketball closely and, and and lives and breathes it, this is going to be a hard year, no doubt about it. I I, I you know, it's kind of status quo for me because this is sort of how I see every season go, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> until, until, man, I don't even know what to say to these guys. It sounds so horrible. Hey, Husker Volleyball <laughs> is doing really good. And the wrestling team is pretty, pretty solid. So I'm excited about that. John Cook, he's a hero. And sooner or later, we're going to get a baseball schedule. Oh, so, don't go that far, Matt. Huzzah. That's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Just slow down a little bit there, buddy. What are the over, what do you think that by the time this podcast goes live, do you think we'll have a baseball schedule? No. <laughs> I mean, they, they haven't done it yet. Why are they going to do it in the next 24 hours, Mac? Um, we did see a softball schedule, to, the, to your point, of, of other programs that are doing better than, than others in Nebraska sports. And uh, they have a 44-game schedule. They have the first two weekends down in Florida. So they're going to fly the softball teams down to Florida, but they can't play UNO, Creighton, or anybody close. So... We may see a similar 44-game schedule, probably starting on March 5th or March 12th for baseball. Um, also could be flying down to Florida or to Minneapolis to play some, some early games. Um, but don't expect any non-conference or midweek games at all. So, And the Big Ten behaves like a guy that just woke up the day of an exam to study or like, oh, that project's due today? Oh, crap, and just write something out. And like they just seem so like, oh, taken aback by all the responsibilities that that is required of a, of a major conference to deal with. It's Again, it'd be hilarious if it wasn't what we had to deal with. So true. All right, well, um, I'm looking forward to seeing if Nebraska could be competitive in one of these games coming up basketball-wise. Looking forward to that Nebraska baseball schedule. Uh, looking forward to watching more Nebraska volleyball there on TV a lot this year. Anything else before we uh, do some parting shots? All right, Honk, take it away. Well, this is going to be a traditional honky one. I've got three or four of them kind of in the... The super, super three? Or yeah, this is my six. super four here, I guess. Number one is give our individual accounts a follow, would you? Uh, at Dave Redcast. He'll never listen or pay attention or log on, but still still follow. Hey, Honky, you, you tweeted something out to me or something yes. earlier today. It was like this like movies and, and friends thing. What, what was that? I don't understand. Somebody tweeted that to me, and it was, you know, tweet five of your friends. So you were one of the five. Well, actually, I didn't include you as one of the five. I include you separately because i'm like dave's not going to listen to this anyways or so i'm actually shocked oh I'm actually that's shocked how it you works. Saw that. but 
Anyways, follow us uh-huh. at our individual accounts at Dave Redcast, at Redcast Honky, at Voodoo GBR, that's Mac, and at Redcast Boomer. And I'll even give a little bit of love to, to Redcast Rob, at Redcast Rob. If you're not already and, and you're on Twitter, give us a follow. We'd, we'd appreciate that. And then second, uh, we did a recent crossover episode with Justin and Mike from the Husker Football Fan Podcast and then Pat and Tweedy from the Cobcast. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that was Mac and Boomer uh, with us. Dave, you missed out. That was on Saturday night. So that should be dropping really about any time now, maybe tomorrow as this show is actually dropping. But uh, that was a lot of fun to get to talk to other guys that are doing the same thing that we do, and they've been around both of those shows a little bit longer than us. So, you know, they've experienced more things in the podcast world than we have. But uh, but we've all experienced these these wonderful losses the last four years, so that's something that we, we got to share together. Um, third, I just want to give a shame on you to the Washington Post for their headline today. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, NFL great uh, coach, he passed away. Their headline was Marty Schottenheimer, NFL coach whose team's wilted in the postseason, dies at 77. So uh, to all the up-and-coming journalists out there going through school or whatever right now, be better than that. That's awful. And my last thing, and this is actually in the be better world, uh, Larry Asante, former Husker, who's now a defense backs coach at Coffeyville CC, man, he sent out a couple tweets last week that were awesome. And Mac, we've talked about this, you know, sometimes with you know former players that get a little bit on the program. Here's a guy he sends out. He goes, "Where's all my Husker fans at? I want to hear from you. How long have you been riding with us? Nebraska changed my life, and I'm forever thankful. Thank you, fans. GBR black shirts." And he followed it up with, "If they want to be great, they know where to come to Nebraska. I'm talking to all my top high school recruits. GBR. That's what I want to see from guys that have worn the scarlet and cream and been the black shirts and everything in the past." That kind of support, that's awesome. So, Larry Asante, thank you so much. More of that, GBR. All right, good stuff, Honk. Uh, let's go with Mac. Well, along that line of former Husker greats, just a huge congratulations to uh, Levante David and uh, Ndamukong Sue for winning their, their first uh, Super Bowl championship ring. That was super cool to watch. You know, I didn't have a dog in this fight in terms of the game, but it was – it was so easy and so exciting to root for those guys. And they both ended up having really great games and, and made Husker Nation proud. So, um, you know, whether you like Brady or not, I do appreciate the guy bringing those, those, those two gentlemen some hardware. And all right, and Redcast Boomer, a man known as Branded to Kill. <laughs> it's a quality flick, Dave. Uh, I know the Super Bowl's over, so we're all looking forward to the, the downtime of the, the football offseason, which picks up again this Saturday with the start of FCS Spring Ball, so we can all get right back into it as uh, McNeese State Cowboys take on the Tarleton State Texans. I'm sure you can find a stream of it on some app you have or some Russian Twitch account or something's bound to be streaming it so get into that and look for holy cross to come out of the patriot league and make the the abbreviated postseason this year so there you go folks football is back hey boomer are any of these games going to be on like espn or anything because i was trying to look that up i didn't see anything there's a lot of stuff about tv to be determined on them some of them are on espn plus which i'm sure we all have and things like that and some of them are on some of the weird fox sports deep deep cuts and things like that so but i think a lot of them are just kind of up in the air i imagine you'll probably see a few of them picked up just as the season goes on as filler just they got to have something to show so I, I think some of them will be on tv just not a whole lot of them are scheduled at this point all right good stuff guys all right uh great show as always uh enjoyed it a lot hopefully our listeners did as well let's call that a go big red cast go big red gbr go holy cross a Huda Media Production.